The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Bridging the ancient with the new, electroacoustic duo Vessels to Motherland create a music of its own breed, steering between heavy industrial and evocative ambient, navigating through seas of psychedelia, and journeying within humans and robots alike. Vessels to Motherland consists of composer-producer-pianist Danitza Borisalviavec and composer-producer-violinist Akita Morozov. Their new debut album is a collection of songs by machines imbued with human urges, screaming out of metal shells and memories of distant worlds, cries for lost connections, dreams of a digital utopia, and soliloquies on the human condition. On today's episode, we listen to Wazoo from their brand new debut album. Together we started electronic music. That mm-hmm. that was a that was a joint effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before that, we were a lot in contemporary music, and um, I was for about ten years. I was solely playing contemporary and avant-garde music. So a lot of um, improv and extended techniques in our music comes from there. Like for yeah. example, George Crumb. Yeah. Then um, um, for example, Tristan Murail. 
yeah. uh, spectralism, some of the harmonies sure. comes from there. So it kind of came together, all came together in Vessels. Mm-hmm. And before that, I didn't do any electronic music. It was always a dream, but it's uh, the technology is always, it's, it's hard to go sure. over that bump. And that yeah. was the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the learning curve. Yeah. And that, that's what we did together. Yeah. Um, so that was that obstacle that we actually, we, di- we didn't even have the equipment before, or we didn't even know where to start. So we basically started together to do this like two and a half years ago, I would think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, about three mm-hmm. years ago, we started together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a feeling that like our um, background as you know, contemporary or avant-garde classical musicians, it's sure. kind of like uh, subconscious almost because we grew up in that world yeah. and it's there. And when we make music, you know, like um, like that world just uh, shows up uh, no yeah. matter what in some yeah. kind of way. It's kind of like filtered out. Yeah. Um, but for like something that we're actually like focusing on, I think when we're starting a song for like the process, uh, very often, at least for me, it's uh, sound design. And we take uh, synthesizers, for example, the OP-1 synthesizer, it's really central to uh, the sound of Vessels to Motherland, the OP-1. Um, and uh, we tweak the sound, we find a sound that sounds amazing, and that sound invites an interval, a melody, a harmony, a chord progression, and then we go from there. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, kind of our 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 history, our history of music or how we how we studied music, you know, did we study at a conservatory? Was it a traditional conservatory? What, you know, where we're learning new music and all the kind of coding that we have. So I feel like probably when you, do you find this when you sit down in front of the synthesizer, do you hear the voices? Uh, do you, I, I hear voices when I sit down to compose and they say like, you can't repeat something more than three times. Like you can't have an ostinato. You can't like all these like can't. So do you, when you, when you, at some point in the process, do you hear those voices of your either teachers? Oh, you teachers have to shut or... them up. You, yeah. you have to tell them to shut up. I think that's the beginning yeah. of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's a big difference of playing the score a certain way as we are expecting sure. in school because there's a lot yeah. of expectations. First of all, from the score yeah. itself, it's written. Yeah. Then it's a certain style. Then, then there's a certain way how you're supposed to sound. There's all those suppose in the schooling. Absolutely. But then I think contemporary music is, I think it's crucial. It should be much more in schools and in yeah. early age. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that because it's mm-hmm. it I th- I find it a different world. You you start yeah. seeing music differently by studying yeah. contemporary scores because nobody ever played it before. There's no, you know, it's 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 a new right. world that you 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 have to approach the score a bit differently because yeah. you're discovering this thing nobody ever played it before. So you 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 don't know what what you know. And yeah. maybe you even read score more decently mm-hmm. than you do with Bach because mm-hmm. you actually have to pay more attention to what composer right. said. <laughs> <laughs> right, because there's not just like 200 years of performance history. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think with that approach, it already started. It when you know when I go to my synth, I already I I don't yeah. I don't hear that many voices what I'm yeah. supposed to do or not. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate not to hear them either. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it, I guess yeah, that's I, a, you're not supposed to be hearing voices, right? I think that's the- <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, all right, so you're you're in front of the synthesizer, and I love this idea. So you create a sound that sort of inspires you, or you come up with an idea on the synthesizer that you're like, this is something that we can expand upon. So 
Where do you go next? Do you turn to your acoustic instruments? Is this something, do you start working in a DAW and sequencing? Where, where do you go next after you come up with this kind of like sound design or sound idea? We have we have a couple of processes going on. Um, it's um, it's a bit different when we create songs, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's different than when we play live. Mm -hmm. When we play live, is this uh, keeping the structure but maintaining the chaos? I think that will be the best explanation for our music. <laughs> and um, I I find, for example, I find writing songs much more difficult in this structure environment that you have to maintain the freshness and you know the idea and the emotion you had. Maybe you should talk about that because I think you you. And Ozo is does your song because this, we do this, uh -huh. yeah we do also we do song uh, song separately Ozo is song written by Nikita solely when we perform it live then this uh, merging comes here. yeah we kind of have uh, two types of songs one type yeah. is where it's like uh, for example Wazo is uh, you know I sat down at six in the morning made this bass line yeah. and then uh, layered a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, and then the other type is when we improvise together and it becomes more organic, sometimes more ambient. Um, and then when we play live, it's a combination of both. So we have the structure yeah. of the songs that we made separately. We combine it with our improvs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so with the sound design, uh, where do we go next? It's uh, directly into the DAW. We record a yeah. line. So for example, with Wazo, it started with the bass. Yeah. And it's this uh, very square bass. It's just eight notes. Mm -hmm. um, but I really tried not to loop eight notes because it's, you know, I don't want it to sound the same exactly. So I put mm -hmm. a click track and mm -hmm. I recorded myself playing it over and over again. And that's what we hear because there's yeah. there are little imperfections here and there. Absolutely. And so although it's just eight songs repeated, like it's just whole notes, um, mm -hmm. then it still sounds kind of human, organic. Uh, and then from the, the bass, so that bass got recorded and over that came the drums. And the drums, uh, there are about seven layers of drums. And actually, I gave them names. They have like different <laughs> different kinds of birds. You have different like the bird. little bird, the fat bird. I think they yeah. have a scratch bird. Miss Young would be happy. Miss Young. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. But, but they're not singing though. They're they're not. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're not singing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then we have the bass and the drums, and then we have this as a unit. Um, and then on top of that, I improvise several several layers of OP1 lines. And mm -hmm. so the bass is very square. It's eight notes. It's very mm -hmm. kind of rigid. And what I improvised on top was were like these notes that were overheld, uh, mm -hmm. you know, suspensions, anticipating yeah. chord. You have dissonances. And so the the lines that I put on top of that square line were. Uh, asymmetrical, unpredictable, yeah. uh, with uh, glissandos and you know stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you're putting, just in general, when you're putting a song like uh, Wazo together, are you envisioning, okay, well, Denita is going to play this particular part, or you know, there there's going to be this happening as well. So do you when you're when you're creating these parts, do you leave space for maybe the live performance or for other elements that might come in later? Or is it every note is here and this is this is every note? Uh yeah, that's it's the the latter, the second, <laughs> the second one. It's the second one. So the yeah, the, the, yeah we don't the, the tracks we created. We weren't thinking about the live performance. We just made yeah. it like okay, 
this is asking for this kind of line we're adding this line we're adding this and then performing it kind of becomes a hell but then um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what we do is that we we uh, before performing becomes uh, very different from the original version mm-hmm. um and it kind of deviates quite a lot our you know we're about to release this whole video of our performance at mm-hmm. gallery mc uh, from December, we'll, we'll yeah. release it in a couple of weeks. And yeah. uh, we played Wazoo there and it was uh, really quite different. Like you, you can hear the yeah. bass, you can hear the drums, they're you're recognizable, yeah. but everything mm-hmm. else, all mm-hmm. those lines that were asymmetrical, unpredictable, completely different. Basically, we had to come up with, um, with uh, our own way of playing. Because yeah. we made this song, I was like, what the hell do we do now? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> How do we yeah. play this? Because it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's so structured. Yeah. And it kind of does not make sense just to play a song like a DJ, you know, with... Uh, well, you with, could just press play. Yeah, you exactly. could just press and play. Exactly. And that's not a... Yeah, that, that's yeah. like, there's no there's no point. To that. And yeah. then we really had to come up with a, with a new way of doing stuff, which is, I think, is the point of all of this. And that's why this is so exciting yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. actually come up like you literally don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. And you mm-hmm. have a performance tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So you have to. That sounds like a nightmare, I, a recurring nightmare I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's incredible that uh, uh, the realization that you can actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I think many people should know this, that this is possible. You can, you can do it. You, you like, mm-hmm. you have to abandon every fear of failure. There's no failure there because, you, yeah. you know, it's, it's again, it's new. It's your mm-hmm. own song. I think you're entitled to play with it. And with that attitude, I think it's, uh, I think that's the right attitude to actually be like to, to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. when we improvise, uh, there's a certain feeling in the music, mm-hmm. like that yeah. you don't know what's going to come next. Mm-hmm. And right. there's a certain like uh, magic moment that can be created with that. Uh, yeah. It becomes more hypnotizing than mm-hmm. when it's predictable. Mm-hmm. And I think we both really like to take risks in mm-hmm. our performances yeah. live. Mm-hmm. Uh, really like not to play it safe and to go crazy. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the, mm-hmm. that's our process to take <laughs> to take risks mm-hmm. and to uh, yeah to dare. Wazoo, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, I call it, it's a, it's a hymn dedicated to the power of electrical memory birds. And, <laughs> and, you know, what I, and what I mean by that is that, you know, the birds, they, they seem, you know, they're so, in, you know, I, I'm thinking when I'm thinking of Wazoo, I'm thinking of a sparrow. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, the birds, you know, they're tiny, they're seemingly cute, and they're so frail, yet mm-hmm. there's this uh, power behind them. It's like this invisible uh, power, which is, I don't know, nature, perhaps. Um, and especially when you see, like, huge flocks of birds in the sky, yeah. like, it's just, there's this power that um, often goes, like, unexpressed. And with Wazoo, with that very beginning, you have that juxtaposition. You have the little quirky, scratchy drums that mm. go, you know, they're very fast and they have a very short life and they're like very uh, erratic. They go left and right. And then you have this bass, which is almost oppressive. And mm. the bass is constant. It doesn't stop except for that dreamy section in the middle. It doesn't stop. It's very sustained. And um, and that's kind of like what it's going for. It's like these two contrasts, but it's also not contrast. It's kind of the same thing. Well, yeah, speaking yeah. of that, I noticed at about two and a half minutes that the the drums or the scratching sort of stops and we get a break from that. And then there's a wonderful moment. I think it's at about two and a half minutes where then the drums return. And now the synthesizer parts that were sort of more floating, they seem to be now sort of like side-chained and they're sort of reacting to the sort of rhythm of the drum. So can you talk a little bit about what you did at that break, like why you had that break and and where how that kind of moved the piece forward? The drop. The drop, yeah, the drop. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, yeah, that's like, this yeah. is great. We can say drop now. And Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that drop. Um, Forget about it. Barrio, if you mentioned drop, like, you know, it'd be like, what, you you drop something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> it's called the climax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The drop, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's it's a very emotional drop. And I mean, it's uh, on the drop, there's an LFO tool. I don't know if you know that plugin. Yeah. LFO yeah. tool, it just comes yeah. in w- mm-hmm. sectioning the, the line, like into 16th notes like sure. this, yeah. on the drop. Um, and melodically, it also goes high up. And you have yeah. the bass appearing super low. The melody goes super high. So it yeah. feels like there's this huge expansion there. Yeah, and also there's a crazy left-right panning right before the drop. Talking about drops, for example, you know we know a drop from dance music, and usually it sure. is cheesiest, like just for a sake of the affecting. Sure. You know? yeah. Technically well done, but I yeah. think we learned that. But as we know, you know we we listen to Mahler. We know the right. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so if you yeah. can do a drop that's gonna have an emotional impact, not just a sonic impact that is done in dance right. dance music, and also to figure out the technology, I think that's really really important. Apart from emotional side and and everything yeah. what we are trying to express, I think knowing the tools. It, yeah. it makes all the difference. Then you can really combine and make this, uh, you can make technically good drop that sounds really good because there are really right. technical issues there in drop. It's not going to sound massive or it's not going to sound impact, impactful, but if you don't have emotion in it, then you you have yeah. a, you know, it's not. So if you if you manage, if you manage to combine both, I think that's really good. I think that's what happened in, in his mm-hmm. song. That's why it sounds, it's like <laughs> this yeah. explosion. I think it happened. I mean, it sounds like that for many reasons, basically.
There, there, yeah. There's not how much freedom does it allow. It, it's it's literally the point of what we are doing yeah. right now, especially especially coming from classical surrounding. But yeah. also, I have to say, as as a female in art, yeah. Yeah. especially from Eastern Europe. You know, there's yeah. a lot of expectations what you're supposed to be doing, the way how mm -hmm. you're supposed to look and, and stuff Absolutely. that you're supposed to do in the house. I think that's mm -hmm. still happening. So mm -hmm. it feels like a luxury. It's not supposed to be luxury. It's supposed to be literally Just, the point. So yeah. for me, that this is really a, how to say it, it really triggered me. This this question yeah. really triggered me because yeah. I really think that, that that's the point. I, I don't see it yeah. any other way, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I find it interesting that, you know, you in music, uh, at least, for example, with improvisation, mm -hmm. I feel more free if I have at least a little bit of uh, constraints, constraints, you know, like <laughs> yeah. some like limits, Absolutely. like, for example, Absolutely. any game, like if you're, mm -hmm. you're playing a game with somebody, you want mm -hmm. some kind of rules. Mm -hmm. If there are no rules, you can't play okay. a game. So that's I find that really interesting because then freedom is um you can't just have like pure freedom. Mm -hmm. You have to set some some rules, and then you operate within that. And then, what is freedom if you have if you need rules for it? Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of freedom is that? And it's it's a really fascinating subject. And, mm -hmm. and then you can get really meta and be like, "Well, is there really freedom? Are we really free from it?" You know, like it just can get you know. Then you'll have to sit and compose for a few hours, right, to just work through it, right? Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, I you know, one thing I always thought of about it too is often as musicians and creatives, we have to do other things throughout the day. And sometimes mm -hmm. those are wonderful, you know, responsibilities we have to our family and the children mm -hmm. and things, but other times they're paying the bills. And I, I guess I was making the assumption that a creative lifestyle is in contradiction to like paying rent. <laughs> you know, or is, is at odds with that. So often I'm asking people, you know, like, oh, you teach or you do these other things mm -hmm. and, you know, how much freedom or how much creative time are you able mm -hmm. to have um, with that path? Uh -huh. Well, we teach, we both teach. And yeah. um, so mm -hmm. I think it's important not to actually tie creativity with bills, mm -hmm. at least at the beginning. To have you them know, separated. Yeah. yeah, to have that separated so that that is not dictating what what are you writing. I I yeah. think that uh, that's important for me. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, that does not fuel my creativity. For example, some other right. things are fueling it. More inner right. stuff that are not tied to to money. For example, I know with some yeah. people is different. It's totally fine. Sure. But yeah. uh, we do teach. But also, you know, in teaching, you can you know you can be creative as well. You can. Yeah. Uh, what we did is, uh, but that's a long story. We are teaching kids electronic music, basically. And Fantastic. there are seven-year-olds who are, you can maybe send you a link later, it's going to be broadcasted. Yeah. There's, you know, it's seven-year-olds who, who made their own tracks and then improvised over. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of this, what we do in the studio that we can actually teach and then, you know, get money yeah. for it. Yeah. And I, I love, I, I love the, that aspect of teaching too, where because mm -hmm. the, the student is going through the same process that we toil over all the time <laughs> that you, you gain some insight when you're like, Oh, they're struggling with that too. Or like, <laughs> Oh, they overcame this. Like, this is what they did. You know, I'm like, we're not just stealing drops from students, but you know what I mean? Like we're, you know, you know what I mean? We're, we're gaining because they're going through the process too. There's sort of that um, camaraderie, but also then, uh, you know, uh, some insight into our own process. Yeah. I mean, we have 24 hours in a day yeah. and you don't need 24 hours to pay the bills. No. Um, I think that you can always make some time for creativity. You can, you know, no matter what, I mean, you can, 
you know, I, before moving to New York, I was working 40 hours a week in the hospital as a security agent for a year, saving some money to, to go, to go here, to move here. And, um, and, and that's actually probably the year that I really started to uh, explore experimental music and avant-garde music and mm -hmm. improvising in like jazz clubs. And mm -hmm. I discovered John Zorn and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like that, like just crazy stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. And so it's interesting, actually, when I think about it, that, you know, I was working 40 hours a week in the most mundane job, you know, with like cameras and opening doors <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. And, yeah. and yet for me, that was the time when, well, I wasn't taking violin lessons at that time. I was just by myself. And, and that's when I kind of uh, revolutionized myself a little bit. I opened new, new door, doorways, new uh, ideas came. My playing changed my whole perception of what music could be. Also, there was a Stockhausen Festival in Montreal at that time, <laughs> which really had a powerful impact on me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, sometimes people express that too, that their quote unquote day job sometimes fuels their you know, creativity, you know, um, and vice versa. I always wonder that too. I wonder if I just could be creative all the time, if mm -hmm. I would get anything done. I feel mm -hmm. like if I, you know, if I just had the whole day to write music, I don't know, mm -hmm. I'd probably, probably get resentful very quickly, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's my own issues. But, but also, also being creative is not, it's not, I don't find it that easy. You know, we, we, we need a break and maybe like Absolutely. the structured life of actually going and doing something like teaching mm -hmm. a lesson actually helps you helps you with creativity because you're not being creative. Creativity can be messy, difficult. You're hitting walls. It's not always mm -hmm. this, you know, wonderful thing. Most of the time, it's not this wonderful thing. No, it is like an absolute a, struggle. Is an absolute struggle. And you, sometimes you just need to walk away. Like when you're having an argument exactly. with somebody, sometimes you just need to walk away yeah. from the piece <laughs> and just say, "All right, I'll come back tomorrow or I'll come back later." Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good balance, basically. Yeah. You know, it's good. I think it's good to enjoy, you know, to enjoy like cooking dinner or something like that. Sure. You know, it's it's, it's amazing sure. because you're, you know, and not to feel guilty that you're not creating at that moment. Right. You know, right. not to fall for those traps because it's like you're resting your brain. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then can it can help mm -hmm. your creativity? Exactly, right. because that being creative all the time, I would not wish that to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I would I feel, find I feel, it very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be really daunting. And then, you know, having like a year long commission or something like that, I feel like that would just be a nightmare because we'd constantly, you'd have all the time to create and then mm -hmm. such a long deadline that you could just kind of think and rethink. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's hard. You know, we mm -hmm. need break from that as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The thing we love to do and need to do, we, we need a break <laughs> from that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been fantastic uh, talking with you both. Before I let you go, can you tell us where we can go to find out more about Vessels to Motherland and the new album? You can go on vesselstomotherland.com. That's our website. We have a band camp page. You can pre-order the album. It's about to release on Friday. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, it's called Machine Leader song cycle for cyborgs you can find us on instagram vessels to motherland uh you know follow us on facebook um yeah very soon in a couple of weeks we'll be releasing this awesome video of a live performance with it in, in december a really nice videography on that one because we, we basically founded the festival it's like a three-part festival that we found that literally happened like a month ago the first part is kids on synths kids with their own age six to twelve and mm. then Second part is contemporary piano. 
and it's piano after 1950s and it has to be one composer at least one composer of color that was the that was the requirement for the festival and the third part is electroacoustic but as this was a pilot program we we were our you know we didn't take submissions for the for the sure. you know for the festival but we played mm. so that the whole thing is going to be released Awesome. But uh, where? Maybe, probably if, if people go to our website, I think it's going to be posted yep. there. It'll yeah. be there so they can go to check that out. That sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out other episodes in the series. And as always, like, subscribe, or leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process.